We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. A day later, uh, the game plan dropping on a Wednesday. But, I mean, Toby, I'm, I'm kind of glad we waited a day later because we've got some incredible breaking news to talk about with the retirement of Sherry Cole. Had we taped this yesterday, we wouldn't get to talk about this for a week. But, man, what an incredible career is her, what, 25, 26-year run at Oklahoma comes to an end. And uh, she got to go out on her own terms, which is, I think, what we all want to do whenever it comes to our jobs, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Hall of Famer, going to be, you know, she'll go down as an icon in Oklahoma basketball history. Obviously, it's well chronicled the state of the women's basketball program and the state of the interest in women's basketball period in this state when she took over. And um, to have the success she did, to achieve the level of interest she did, uh, to be regarded not just locally, nationally, the way she is in this sport and beyond is remarkable. You know, I've been fortunate enough to be in a lot of settings with Coach Cole over the last 10 years, whether it's a banquet or a caravan or a classroom. And to watch her communicate Um, In addition to just being a great coach, she's an unbelievable communicator. And (laughs) I will often say, you know, if we're at one of these situations where I'm introducing Lincoln or or Lon or or Sherry, I will ask them what questions do they want to be asked, so forth and so on. With Sherry, I just hand her the microphone. (laughs) We, We are all here for the message tonight, and she'll just go. So, um. We, we are a better school for having had Sherry Cole a part of it 
certainly it's a better basketball program, but way beyond that. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy, happy for her. I'm sad for me. I'm sad for us, you know, because one of the joys of this job is to get to deal with Sherry Cole, to get to work with and do coaches shows with her and, and everything. And I can't wait to see what the next chapter in her life is. She could be the biggest name at ESPN if she wanted to beyond just women's basketball, Toby, because you know, this. Yeah. she can talk about men's hoops. She can talk about football she could become one of the biggest names at ESPN if she wants to, if that's the path, or Fox Sports or where, wherever she wants to go. Because you're right, when she speaks, um, it's it, it carries weight, and she's really good at it. Yeah, no, we talked about it this morning um, on the radio. It'll be interesting to see what she does. I, I think if she wants to, she no doubt has a job in broadcasting. I have no idea if she's interested in that or not. But – she could go be the number one uh, women's analyst at ESPN today and maybe stu- in studio. Uh, I, but she's not limited to that. I think if if ESPN was forward thinking, I would put her on the men's coverage as well. We talk about men's basketball all the time. So I don't I have any idea if she's interested in that. She may want to just enjoy that grandbaby and, uh, <laughs> and teach and sit back and enjoy the fruits of life. But uh, – Whatever it, it should be successful. Do you uh, now just for your information and so I don't forget, we're going to have the opening statement from Sherry's presser coming up to wrap up this podcast. I talked to Jessica a little bit, uh, and then the, the, I think the full presser was like an hour and a half. So to do it justice, we're going to give it its own separate tribute show tomorrow on the podcast platform. So please be looking for that on Sooner Sports Podcast. But my gosh, so many great memories. I think what didn't you guys? Weren't you involved in, like, running a marathon with Coach Cole or something at one point? No, it was uh, – no, it was uh, – what was it? I think I had to run five miles in an hour. That's a marathon, isn't it? Isn't that <laughs> – No, well, 26 miles. Oh, okay, okay, marathon. okay. So, right. no, it wasn't anywhere close to that. But <laughs> if I accomplished it in an hour, everybody got, like, a discount ticket that night. It was some sort of health awareness night. Wow. And uh, that was – when I was uh, much better shape than I am in now. So I got on a treadmill at uh, Academy Sports and Outdoors in Norman, and uh, people could come watch me. Run. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe I did. In hindsight, I'm like, that was a terrible idea. But everybody came around, and uh, camera crews came out. Fans came out just to watch me run and die for an hour. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Wow. That wasn't fun at all. It was terrible, but we accomplished the goal, and we got some discount tickets for people, so that was good. I think more than anything else, the point of bringing it up is you always had – and I'm not saying it ends. I'm just saying her time as the OU coach ends, but you guys had had fun. I mean, she was a regular yeah. on your local show. Uh, you, did, you did women's games. I was blessed enough to do some women's games too. I mean, she was – she got it. I think is the is the best way I can describe Sherry Cole. She completely and totally understood every aspect of being the coach. That's right. Knew how to win games. Knew how to communicate with fans. Knew how to communicate with athletes. Uh, yeah, all of it. All of the above. Fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's dive into what would be our topic of conversation. Number one, number one. You were in Fayetteville last night. Um, how about that? How about Skip Johnson getting the win? By the way. Rough corn throwing anything other than a fastball in the ninth inning was quickly changed after what, like the second pitch. Arkansas had no hope against him, and I mean, I 
from where we were after the Sunday loss to Arkansas State and the Sooners won the next two games, Toby, this is incredible with the way this team has started the season and to see the pitching perform like it did last night. Yeah, that was big. I mean, potentially, we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, they've suffered some losses early that they that are regrettable. Um, they've had you know, not anywhere close to the level of pitching that they are accustomed to. But for them to get a win like that could really help trampoline them in the right direction this season. I, I, you know, I don't want to assume anything, but that's the kind of win you go on the road to number one in a hostile environment like that and beat them uh, where nobody beats them there, you know, then that's impressive. And it's got to give this team a tremendous amount of confidence. And they're, they're hitting the ball like crazy right now. And it doesn't matter what pitcher you put out there, what uniform they're wearing, they're putting eight, nine, 10, 12 runs on the board every day. And uh, it's just been the mound that's been the issue. And they got an outstanding performance from Braden Carmichael as the starter on Tuesday night. Uh, Jarrett Godman, and you mentioned Jason Ruffcorn in relief, slammed the door. And that's encouraging. I mean, it does a lot for you metrics-wise, you know, the – RPI and strength of schedule and all, all those kind of things that that needed a boost and it got a big boost last night. But between the years is the biggest thing. You know what could this do for the confidence of this team going forward? They start conference play next week. You know they go down to Austin to open Big Twelve play next week, and uh, this might just be the jolt they need before that to get on a nice run here. There's so much going on. I feel like we need like a like a f- almost three-hour po- – well, we need your whole radio show. <laughs> I feel like we need a three-hour podcast because we go from Sherry Cole's retirement to OU beating number one to you're getting on a plane tomorrow to go to Indianapolis to cover the NCAA tournament. Welcome to the bubble, Toby Rowland. Are you ready? Actually, they're not saying bubble. They're saying controlled environment. It was one that I saw used quite a bit. But how pumped are you for this OU-Missouri matchup on Saturday night? Well, uh, no airplane – Weird oh, drive. okay. No bubble, very, very much outside the bubble. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. Wow. You, if you want to do that three-hour podcast tomorrow, we've got about <laughs> a ten-hour drive in front of us, so that'll help me kill you some and time. Kevin. Uh, me, maybe Kevin. I'm not sure. He, he well, he's going, but he may meet me there. Gotcha. My son is driving with us, very Trevor. Cool. And uh, yeah, we're going to head up tomorrow. Sooners play Saturday, and I'm excited to see it all. Obviously excited to uh, see the game, call the game on Saturday night. Uh, be in Lucas Oil Stadium, you know I'm a big Colts fan. So to uh, call a game in that stadium is going to be pretty cool. But just to kind of see what an NCAA tournament looks like in this year, in 2021. Um <laughs> Normally, Chris, you know this, normally in a venue, at a location, they will play four games on a day. Oh, and it's right? so, so awesome. We were in, it's so if we awesome. were in Oklahoma City, there would be a game at, let's say, 11 to, you know, 5.30 and 8 or something like that, like they do at the Big 12 tournament. Well, that's not the case this year. They are trying their best to uh, keep everything safe and uh, – sanitized venues in between games and everything. 
So, for example, on Saturday when Oklahoma plays, I don't know if everybody knows this, but they are splitting Lucas Oil Stadium into two courts. Uh, there will be a court on the north end of that football stadium and a court on the south end with a big curtain going down the middle. And fans attend a game on one end of the uh, stadium or the other. Well, Oklahoma is playing on the north end of Lucas Oil Stadium. They are the only game on that court that day. Nobody else is playing on that court that day. There's hmm. there's the game before them on the south and a game after them on the south. And they're the only one there. Um, so they're just trying their hardest to spread everything out, to make it as safe as possible. And you get a ticket to one game when you go. You don't get a ticket to a session or an all-day thing. If Oklahoma wins, they are not guaranteed. In fact, they probably won't play their second game in the same venue. They'll probably go somewhere else. So they're trying to move teams around. It's just a lot different than normal. And I'm intrigued to see how it all you know, looks and plays out and then and obviously see how Lon Kruger's team plays on Saturday night. So um, you had a chance to talk to Mike Kelly, the very uh, mm-hmm. impressively voiced play-by-play guy for – the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, that's what a play-by-play guy should sound like. <laughs> you and I, he's like, yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, I was really, and I'm going to play it real quick, uh, what he said about the Missouri team. Uh, consistently inconsistent. I, I think that's the way you, you, you best frame it. Uh, a team that, um, you know, got off to a, a good start, um, unbeaten through conference play, a team that's, you know, 7-1 and one this season in games decided by five points or less, so, team that's got three wins over teams that at the time were ranked in the top 10 in Illinois, Tennessee, and Alabama, uh, seven and five against the quad one, but two and three against quad two teams. So, um, and they've kind of limped into postseason. Uh, you know, they've lost six of their last nine. And so, um, which team shows up the team that has been you know, very good at times and wins against Illinois, Tennessee, Alabama, up by 15 on the road at Mississippi State, only to lose by 15. Um, Double-digit lead on multiple occasions in the second half to only squeak by with a win or a lose. So uh, consistently inconsistent, I think, is the best way to frame this Missouri team. But what did you, what did you take away from that? What, what kind of caught your eye about what he had to say about Missouri? Because it seemed as if, what he said about the Missouri Tigers was eerily similar to kind of what yeah. we've seen from the Sooners. No, I, I, I've talked to several um, people who follow this team and are fans of this team this week, Missouri, and they're down on them. You know, it, and it, you're right. It's a lot like what you hear being said about Oklahoma here late in the year. They were very impressive at one point back in January. It looked like they might be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, might contend for the SEC title and they struggled down the stretch. And so these are mirror images. Statistically, you look at field goal percentages, three-point percentages, everything about the makeup of these teams, they are mirror images of each other, with one exception, and that is the five-man. They have Jeremiah Tillman, who is a big six-foot-ten, back-to-the-basket, true center. You know, think Derek Culver, only a couple inches bigger, uh, maybe not as strong, but that kind of a player. He's going to score within five feet of the basket. He's not going to step out and hit jumpers or anything like that. He's a post. And Oklahoma's got Brady Manning, who is not a true five. He's a stretch four. 
and wants to do most of his scoring from the three-point line. So that's really the difference in the teams. That's really it, but it might be what is what determines who wins this game. Uh, can Brady slow down Tillman in the post, and can Tillman come out and match up with Brady on the perimeter, or does one of the coaches have to blink and substitute out you know, one of their major weapons there because they can't guard the other? So, yeah, no, but uh, I think uh, it's not a bad draw. I, I don't think it's a other – you know, a lot of people see Gonzaga in the second game, and that's tough, and we could talk about that later if they win. But this first-round matchup, I don't think is a terrible draw. Oklahoma's got to play well to beat Missouri, but if they do, I think they got a really good shot. And then uh, I guess just as a, a final thought, we were asked on Spotlight yesterday to give, um, give our, I guess, Spotlight player – Jessica went with Brady Manick. I went with Austin Reeves. Is there – I mean, I, I, everyone needs to be involved to win, and I think we get caught up in looking at, like, Gonzaga in the second round. But is there anyone we're missing out here that needs to step up for the Sooners to make sure they advance to play on uh, – what would that be then, Monday? Yeah, I'll give you someone. I, I, uh, I And I think those are both good answers. I mean, just to double down on both those picks, you know, I mentioned how important I think Brady is. Uh, if OU is going to – do something special in this tournament it's because austin reeves is going to be special so i think both of those are, are good picks but i think ou has to start to get something out of emoji gibson you know well, like when it. they were at their when they were at their best he was hitting three four five three pointers a game every hit seven against west virginia and norman uh the last three games he made one against osu one against or excuse me one against texas one against Iowa State, and zero against uh, Kansas. So the last three games he's been a relative non-factor, at least on the offensive end. I mean, his, his defense is still there. But, um, no, they need him to be a threat. You know, they need him to be a guy that is dangerous and defenses worry about and stretches the defense so that there's driving lanes for everybody else. And, uh so I'm keeping my eye on Emoja. I think he needs to be special for them. All right, Toby. I know you're busy. Thanks for your time and uh, safe travels to you tomorrow up to Indiana. Thanks, Blake. Talk to you soon. So thanks to Toby for joining us here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. I mentioned that we wanted to share a little bit of what Sherry Cole had to say. The retirement of a legend like Sherry Cole deserves a show all on its own. So tomorrow we'll have a very special edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast with Coach Cole's entire press conference. But I wanted to take a moment to just to just share her opening statement that she had at her press conference today. We'll make the full interview, the, uh, the full press conference available tomorrow here on the podcast page. But here was Coach Cole announcing her retirement from the University of Oklahoma. Being the head coach at the University of Oklahoma has been the privilege of my lifetime. Um, in April of 1996, I accepted this job, my dream job, as a native Oklahoman. I thought I had died and gone straight to heaven. Um, the task was a big one, and it's not was not for the faint of heart, but uh, I so wanted to build a place where Oklahoma kids could come and have a chance to win a championship, a place that would be adequately reflecting of uh, this great institution and this amazing state and 25 years later I still cannot believe the ride that Oklahoma women's basketball has taken me on. I have had the time of my life. Um, there are so many people that I want to thank this morning and so I, I 
written a few down to make sure that I don't forget anyone. Um, I arrive here at this moment um, just engulfed in gratitude. I'm grateful to my family who is here today for um, allowing me to pursue my life's passion, um, my obsession of coaching young women and um, teaching the game of basketball. I have um, always taken up a lot of room and I appreciate more than my family can ever know um, allowing me to do that. You guys have uh, doubled the wins and divided the losses and um, you know any sort of achievement without you guys would just fall pretty flat. I am eternally grateful to you for letting me be me. Um, I am grateful to my players for letting me coach them. I have not ever taken that um, responsibility lightly and the joy that comes from that uh, I cannot put a price tag on. I want my players to know that they have left pieces of themselves with me and that I'm the one that's better for it. Um, I'm grateful to my staff um, for the sacrifices that they've made throughout the years. Um, the, the love that they toiled with breathed a very special life into this program. Um, I don't think support people ever get enough credit for what it is they do from uh, Jan Ross, my 24-year um, sidekick who uh, was always right beside me on that bench, uh, to Bo Overton, uh, the two of them helping pour the foundation for this program, to um, Chad Threlkel, Stacey Hansmeyer, um, Pam DaCosta, um, Coquise Washington, Jackie Stiles, Courtney Paris, and of course Colt um, for erecting the walls and um, for continuing to add on and build out um, this amazing house that we get to to say we always had a part in in creating. Um, I'm grateful for for the leadership. I'm grateful to the late Donnie Duncan and uh, his big dream partner Marita Hines for having the uh, audacity to hire a young high school coach who just had really big dreams. Um, I'm grateful to Steve Owens for uh, Steve and Marita helped uh, captain a very rocky ship there in those first couple of years and he was a rock. I'm indebted to him for that. Um, and to the incomparable Joe Castiglione who's sitting appropriately six feet away from me today um, for shepherding our program, for challenging us at every turn, for never allowing anyone anywhere to be satisfied, and, and more than anything, for always being right there, no matter what. I'm grateful to um, past President David Boren and current President Joe Harris for creating an institution that does exactly what institutions of higher education are supposed to do, prepare its students for meaningful impactful lives. I'm grateful to our competitors, um, to our fans, to our media. Um, the challenges that they create help make us grow. You don't get any better without being sharpened by hard things. I'm grateful to them all. Through much prayer and the gifts of a year that provided pockets of stillness that um, 
you don't ordinarily get in a year. I arrived today with amazing clarity. Basketball was my first and deepest love, and um, I have been fortunate to be able to chase that love for 25 years. I really can't believe sometimes that um, this is a profession they pay you for. It's so much fun. I'm ready to explore new things, though. Uh, I've always known that there were things that I wanted to do beyond coaching basketball. Uh, I, I want to do those now. I'm ready to do those now. I'm excited about doing those now. And I'm absolutely over the moon about running toward unfettered days with that little grandbaby over there that's brand new and nine years old, nine years, nine days old today. Um, that's something to look forward to for sure. 25 years just feels right in my bones and in my soul. Coaching is a profession that requires all of you, every single cell, 24-7, 365. You know, Garth Brooks sang a song about standing in the proverbial fire. He said, life is not tried, it is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. Well, coaching gives you a life inside the fire uh, where you have a chance to live more fully perhaps than in any other thing I could have ever chosen to do. For about two decades, I had a picture in uh, my bathroom, a photograph of a couple of kids playing in a pile of leaves. And across the bottom was a quote um, by Annie Dillard. And it said, how we spend our days is of course, how we spend our lives. And I've thought about that a lot in the still pockets of the last year. I've thought about how coaching is juggling six glass pitchers of gasoline while your hair is on fire, and that's what you do all day, every day. And I have loved it. It has filled me and helped me become. But it's time to do some different things. To our team specifically this year, I cannot thank them enough. There could not have been a better, more appropriate year for me to use as the dot of the exclamation mark on this amazing journey. Because what they did this year was everything that I believe in most fully in the marrow of my bones. There are more important things than winning. And what we have always been about is maximizing what we have, playing the heck out of the hand we've been dealt. This group this year did this as well as I could ever imagine a group could do. They were the consummate team. They fought, they scratched, they clawed, they believed, they loved each other. And they became, in the words of Dr. Jim Lair, better for having been a part of the chase. That's why I've coached. To all my loyal friends and uh, foxhole buddies, um, 
to my uh, dear friends within the profession who know so much about the difficulty of this thing that we do. Uh, to my friends out of the profession who don't know anything about it but have been remarkable because of that. Um, to the people that work at this amazing institution who have lifted us through the years, uh, I owe so much gratitude, so much gratitude because your love, your support, your friendship has helped me have the time of my life. So thank you. It's been an honor, Oklahoma, to be your coach. Just prior to the press conference, I caught up with Jessica Cootie. Jessica has covered a women's basketball from the day that she stepped on campus. What are we going back, like eight, nine years ago? Uh, maybe longer than that for Jess, but she's been a diehard Sooner basketball fan her whole life, and we got some perspective on the career of Sherry Cole. Yeah, I mean, you think about 25 years and the amount of young girls that have been impacted and by Sherry Cole and that, you know, look at the current team alone, uh, Ani Anusta, Gabby Gregory, both, you know, even though I'm way older than them, we were both impacted in the same way, which I think speaks volumes to Sherry Cole and what she's done with this OU women's basketball program. So many girls come to a game and say, I want to play for Sherry Cole. And, um, you know, she has instilled so many beliefs and dreams and so many young girls. And, uh, you know, again, just the, the Oklahoma kids. I mean, if, if you think about Oklahoma women's basketball or basketball as a young Oklahoma girl growing up, you, you think Sherry Cole and Oklahoma women's basketball. So I don't know if you can truly and it's I'm still processing it because, I mean, she she has had a huge impact on me, you know, not only as, like I said, a, a kid looking up to the program but then getting to work with her and and just how incredible she's been to me on a working aspect um still processing it but um I don't know if words can fully describe the impact that she's had on so many young girls turned women over the last 25 years and just the way that the program was in shambles you know when she took it over and you know the it wasn't too long before she had been named the head coach that they were canceling the program and then for her to turn it around so quickly and then for her to have sustained so much success for so long and then just beyond me, you know, what she did on the basketball court, just the things she did off of it. And I just recently did work with the the KL Foundation, which Sherry Cole's been monumental and from the very get-go and the the millions of dollars that they've been able to raise to help you know fund cancer and uh research for women's cancers it's just um you i mean i could go on and on about the impact that she's had and then the things that you don't get to see that's not broadcasted all the time you know the the meetings that she has with some of the um, fans and the the young kids that get to come into the program. It's just, uh, I don't, I mean, I, it's just hard to put it all into words. Yeah, and I appreciate you doing this because, again, um, uh, I kind of bullied you into coming on with me because I know that you need some time. We all need some time to process it. We want to listen to the Zoom presser coming up uh, here in just a bit, and we're not going to be allowed to carry it live, but we're all going to be tuned in to kind of see what went into this. But I, I've said this earlier. I thought down the stretch this year, Jess, was one of her better coaching jobs. You and I both wanted to see this team get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, but this was a squad that 
I mean, let's let's be honest. They could have tapped out easily as this season uh, rolled on, but they never quit. And she had a team that played at times six players this year, knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament. It was an incredible job. Yeah, and I thought they got robbed. I thought they should have been in. You know, Coach Cole said it after the the loss to Oklahoma State, um, which they you know they lost in overtime. That you know, there's no doubt in her mind that that was one of the top best top 64 teams in the country. There's no doubt in my mind as well, especially the way they were playing at the end of the season. But I got a chance to call several other games this year um, at home, and Dan Hughes. Legendary coach, WNBA champion head coach, um, obviously very well respected within the coaching community. And he said there's no doubt about it that that was one of the best, if not the best coaching year of Sherry's entire career. So, you know, and you're talking about Final Four seasons and all the things that the turnaround seasons and the things that, you know, she has done throughout her career, a Hall of Famer for this to be arguably the best year that she's done in coaching what a way to go out but I mean I just think that speaks volumes as to the job that she did this year with a team that had so much adversity and and that's another thing you know going back to the NCAA tournament selection is you'd be hard-pressed to find a team that got hit harder by COVID and the pandemic than Oklahoma women's basketball and yet at the end of the season they're playing as good a basketball as well anybody in the big 12 because they beat three of the five teams that were going to the ncaa tournament and then you know played baylor as well as anybody at the end and you know had oklahoma oklahoma state on the ropes so you know the last few games you feel like they were one or two games away from getting into the tournament which is heartbreaking but the way that they responded and they rallied and and you know she talked a lot about every time i talked to her she was glowing because this team was that enjoyable for her. And, you know, I asked her one time, where does this team rank among some of your more enjoyable teams that you've coached? And she said, they've got to be right up there at the top. And, you know, she's like, I don't, I don't know if I've had this much fun coaching. So I just think it's just so incredible that she's been able to go. She's going out the way that she is, even though it was such a hard year and, you know, you you wouldn't think, oh, this is a great year to go out on. But the fun, she she had so much fun coaching this team, and what a lot of people are saying was one of her best jobs of her career, best years of her career. What a way to go out, Jess. Um, can we start a conversation about what might be the next step? I mean, I would assume that. You know, she Joseph Harris, President Harris, and Josie are both going to be in on the Zoom today. Uh, there's no reason to believe that this is anything that was forced upon her. So you would have to think that they would be using her as a resource, right, when it comes to deciding who's going to take over this program? Well, I, I've been talking with a couple of people. Of course, my phone's kind of been blowing <laughs> up this morning. And, um, you know, just what what she's done, and, and, again, that's kind of what I was getting at when I was talking. She does so much more than just coach basketball and what she brings to the university. She's She, I mean – she could be president, you know, I mean, president <laughs> yeah. of the university at some point. It's a, you know, opportunity, obviously coach or uh, Joe Harris is amazing and incredible and is doing an incredible job. But I mean, she's one that at some point could, could throw her name in a hat for a position like that at some point, you know, if, if the opportunity ever presented itself, she's just such an incredible representative of 
you know, the University of Oklahoma and the things that she's done outside of basketball. And um, obviously there's not a better public speaker, in my opinion, you know, on campus, just how great she is at communicating and um, just, yeah, so many things that she can bring in an administrative role that I think no doubt she's going to continue to be kind of like what Bob Stoops has been, um, but in a, uh, in a different way, but how Bob Stoops has continued to be an advocate for the University of Oklahoma I truly believe Sherry Cole will, will be used in such a way as well. And, I mean, gosh, the the, the opportunities are really going to be limitless yeah. for her from here. I mean, what, whatever she wants to do, she's going to be able to do it in retirement. But, I mean, you think about how great she'd be on television. Uh, you know, just so many things that, you know, as we've seen Coach Stoops, he's going to be on with, with Fox College Sports. But, yeah, I, I just I think she's, um, you know, beyond just coaching is, is going to be – continue to be monumental for the University of Oklahoma and women's basketball. So tomorrow we'll drop a full episode with the entire press conference from Sherry Cole earlier today, and uh, we'll have more interviews that we can share as well, uh, encompassing the career of one of the greats in Oklahoma athletics history, without a doubt, the greatest women's basketball coach in the history of Oklahoma and maybe in the history of the Big 8 and the Big 12. All right, let's wrap things up with Jada Coleman. Now, again, you knew I, I couldn't have a busy podcast like today without touching on a little bit of softball. So Jada Coleman joins us next. But first, a word from the Air Force. It's a calling that's kept us free. It's a place to belong. What's the calling? It's doing a job that makes a difference. Serving your community and your country. It's part-time service where the impact is full-time. What's your calling? Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. It's the first time I had an opportunity to talk to Jada uh, in the media sense, so I'm excited to bring on the starting center fielder for the Oklahoma Sooners, Jada Coleman. She has had an incredible start to her freshman season and has one of the more historic careers in the Dallas area high school softball's history jada coleman joins us what's up jada how's this wednesday treating you uh it's good so far i got my covid test today and now i'm in my learning specialist just trying to get my work done oh so i'm really keeping you from doing some work here right so in the- oh but it's okay okay it's okay all right all right i was gonna say if i need to get you back quickly i cannot get in trouble with coach gasso that's no, the one thing i can't no, afford no, no. Uh, how's it been for you so far? Obviously, it's different. You know, you mentioned COVID testing once, sometimes twice a week. What's the freshman year experience been like? Was it everything you imagined? Oh, nothing that I imagined. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't really have expectations coming into here, but I did think, oh, football games, oh, hanging out with my teammates, going to dinner, and I mean, we don't, we didn't really get to do any of that stuff, but um. The upperclassmen did really good at just welcoming us and, like, just having us come over to their house because, you know, we're not supposed to go out and eat and, like, be around everyone else. We had just, like, our little bubble that we have. And um, Lindsay makes the best Cajun pasta, I'm telling you. <laughs> and we we try to do it every once in a while where we all go hang out and, um, like, when we don't have COVID testing. But, um it's been um, it's been crazy, um, but I'm loving every second of it. To I, be honest, yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because, in addition to calling your games, I do sideline radio for football, and just to mm-hmm. to be there when there's you know 25 percent of the stadium, then you go through the testing and you see 
uh, in football, guys were eating before they could get on the bus, and there were no team meals, and that's mm-hmm. carried over to softball. You can probably mm-hmm. attest to it more than anyone, Jada. Those are times when that camaraderie is built, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best things about softball is traveling together as a team, eating together as a team. I mean, that's when you make a lot of your memories, I feel like. And um, it's just kind of hard because you have the mask and you have the shield and then you have the on the bus, like two seats apart and just social distancing. So it is it is a little bit more difficult to be around each other and create that chemistry, but somehow this team just gets it done. And I feel like it's because we all have this one goal and we know that we need to be resilient in these times. And we, we just somehow do it. I mean, we just, we just have that connection together that we don't have to be five feet apart right now that Mm -hmm. we can still make that connection with each other. What's it like playing and your mom's your coach and your dad's uh, as, as knowledgeable on the sport as he is, how, how unique, fun, challenging was that growing up, Jada? I mean, it, it really made me the player I am today. Um, They were, they were super tough on me. I'm not going to lie. They were, um, they pushed me to limits that I think I could never have been at. Um, But it's also enjoyable. I won a state championship with my mom next to my side, which is an experience that a lot of people don't get to say that they had. And um, it's amazing just because I feel like having coaches as parents made me really tough. And so I feel like when I go through diversity, I know exactly how to just go through it just because I feel like I know what the coaches are kind of thinking, like kind of what the coach's side of strategy is. And I kind of know like the athlete side of it. So just kind of trying to think that through. I've, I've heard this term a lot about this team. Iron sharpens iron. What's that competition Mm -hmm. like? I get a chance to see it on the field against an opponent. What's it like Mm -hmm. in practice, Jada? What's that competition like in iron sharpening iron that you see firsthand every day, I guess, in the practice field? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Just when you look to your left, your right, in front of you, behind you, there's just amazing players on the field. And it really makes you want to do better. Like when you see someone make four diving plays in a row, just giving literally their heart out on the field, in practice, every day, it just makes you want to do the same. And I think the best thing about our practice is, like, when someone makes a good play, we are hyped for them. Like, we want them to make those plays. We want to do – like, we want them to do good. And it just makes you want to do that same thing for them and just – so they know that you got their back and they have your back. And it it really is outstanding playing with the freaking greats, Grace Lyons, Jocelyn Allo, Tiara James. Like, just everyone around you is just great and – it just makes you want to be great. I have so many questions for you, uh, and I know yeah. we only have so much time, so I'll just start with this. Uh-huh. As a lefty, to be able to do what – I and again, I know you're playing the outfield quite a bit and you've worked at first base, but you were a left-handed shortstop, and everyone's oh, you can't have a left-handed shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was it for you? It's like, oh, no, I, we can have a left-handed shortstop, and I'm not only going to excel at it, I'm going to be the, one of the best that you've ever seen. What, what would you hear? What was kind of that buzz about being a lefty playing shortstop? And is that inevitably and eventually where you think you end up? Um, I mean, growing up, I did have a lot of people that were like, that's not going to happen. Like, wait till you get to the next level. Wait till you're an 18U. And, I mean, until I got to high school, I mean, I did it. And I was, I was proud of myself. And 
obviously when I got here, I was like, I want to be the first left-handed shortstop <laughs> to play in the College World Series. That is what I want to be. And I came here and I saw Grace Lines. I was like, dang, she shuts it down. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait my turn. And if that's not my role as a freshman, that's just not going to be my role. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to win a national championship on this team. Cause that is awesome. all that matters. And I, it would help me more to win a national championship than just to be the first left-handed shortstop. That's cool. And I would do anything for this team to just win a national championship because that is my dream. So had you played some outfield? I mean, you've now established yourself, I think. There's no such thing as an everyday player because, as we've learned, that roster, it, there, there's a lot of versatility there. You could play first yeah. maybe one day if needed. But wh- what's that transition been like for you, and, and has it had it been a position in center field that you played before? So I I didn't really play much of outfield. I, my parents, of course, always told me you can't just play one position. So I did always just kind of practice, rotate around in the outfield, second base, first base, just in case because you never know, just like how in college you have people that play everywhere. And so um, the first time I actually played outfield was on the USA team. I played center field. And I learned a lot in that summer. And then I kind of went back to shortstop, going back to high school in Texas Glory. And so when I got here, I had – I knew a little about outfield, but I didn't know, like, the little technique things. But JT has helped me a lot um, with just the techniques and stuff. But really, I just try to go run and catch the ball. <laughs> when somebody hits it, I told you, I'm just going to go run it down. And I'm going to do everything I can so it doesn't touch the ground. Um, so where does – does the speed – is that from mom or is that from dad? Because I just am in <laughs> awe when I watch you run the bases and how much ground you're able to take up. Well, hopefully my dad's not listening to this, but I'm pretty sure it's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> they would both argue. That's awesome. see where I got my seeds from. Uh, that's good. Um, so let's <laughs> see. We talked about – oh, I'm having a hard time in how to describe Jada Coleman as a hitter because we lay out triple threat, right? Uh, can can mm-hmm. slap it, can bunt it can be a power hitter. I mean, is that is that how you would describe your game at the plate? I mean, I, I saw that power surge, and I'm like, nah, she's a power hitter. Let's go. But how would Jada Coleman des- describe herself at the plate? Um, I, was, I just read the defense. I mean, if they're playing me back, I will most definitely try to put down the bunt and beat it out. If they're playing really far up, I would try to burn them. But um, if they're playing in the middle, I might slap. It just – it all depends on the situation, and if I'm not feeling like I'm hitting too good, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go to my bunt. Or if I feel like my bunt's not on, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to my slap. And I feel like um, Coach likes to switch it up a lot. Um, I like, I think she likes that I can bunt, I can slap, I can hit. Just for situational reasonings, I can just move runners. And um, I would say I'm very, um, as you can say, hybrid. I do a lot, but um, – I just try to read the defense and try to get on any way I can because I know there's a lot of home run hitters behind me that if if I get on in any type of way, they're going to hit me in. (laughs) Jada. uh, Just get on. on, And that's the key. Um, All right. A couple of other things. uh, And then I'll let you get out of here. First of all, we, I did the game with Aaron Miller this week and Aaron had Mm -hmm. laid out how when she was a senior in 2016, that, it, you you had started you know at camps and they'd seen you and that that process of recruiting had begun. What was it like mm-hmm. to to be in kind of the recruiting game at such a young age? Um, to be honest, it's really hard to remember. 
um, I was so young. I received my first offer in the summer of my sixth grade year. So a lot of the um, football games and the recruiting, I don't remember a lot of them unless, like, I had pictures of them. But I always remembered Oklahoma, and a really big reason is because of Erin Miller. I wow. My first time coming here, she was like my person that drove the golf cart, and I just absolutely loved her. <laughs> and I just always thought, like, if Coach Gasso like has players on her team like Erin Miller, I want to play like with teammates like this. And also, like, knowing Lauren Chamberlain, you know how they're just so goofy, lighthearted, and just, like, they're just fun. And I was just, like, I, I freaking love Erin Miller. She's, like, a role model to me. And when I met her and I just, like, came to this campus, I just fell in love with it. And just everything about the girls and just how they are. And I just I just fell in love with it. Okay, and, and, and two more quick ones. Number one, Patty Gasso, what has she meant to you? I, I love watching you interact with her. I feel like that – between you and Tiare and Nicole May in this freshman class, it, uh, it, it's almost been re-energizing for everyone to see the the positivity you guys have brought to this program. So what has she meant to you? Coach, uh, she's awesome. I mean, she encourages us to do things that I, I wouldn't even think of. Doing. Like, she has such a high standard for us. It's never like, like, it's complacent. It's never complacent for her. And I feel like she's always pushing – for us to be better. We just got here. I mean, we haven't really done much. And she's like, oh, y'all can do better. I know. This is, y'all can do better than this. And I feel like it's just going to take off for our freshman class. I mean, just the standard she has for us is it's going to be scary, I hope, for the next three years. It's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, true or false, Jada Coleman is the worst Uno player ever. Can you confirm oh. or deny this? I just Who told you that. <laughs> I better not have been good <laughs> I love it. Jada, I've been so impressed with not just watching you play, but your family's awesome. Watching you uh, go from being a, a, I mean, you probably, you've been talked about here in Norman for years. So to finally see you in a Sooner uniform has been so fun. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. This was great. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks right. for having me. We'll see you. Jada Coleman. Bye. Later. Thanks for hanging out with us on this edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. I hope everyone has a great week again tomorrow. Our tribute to Sherry Cole on Friday. We'll have more on the NCAA tournament. And stay tuned with us all weekend long. We've got tons of diamond sports to talk about from softball to baseball to the NCAA tournament. And what's next for women's hoops? Everyone have a great start to your weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.